1: Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley,
0: this is CUDA
1: Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Hello and welcome to another edition of CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. I'm your host, Nick Nolenberger. In this episode, we're joined by recently signed tough guy, Curtis Gabriel. Gabriel's path to professional hockey was that of a long shot. He was twice passed over in the NHL draft before finally hearing his name called in 2013 by the Minnesota Wild, 81st overall. He would spend all of his rookie season in 2015-16 in the AHL with the Wild's American League affiliate, the Iowa Wild before getting his first three regular season games with the big club at the end of the following season, and even dressed in four Stanley Cup playoff games that year with Minnesota. After three campaigns within the Wilds organization, Gabriel would sign a one-year deal with the New Jersey Devils in 2018-19, splitting time between the AHL and the NHL. In 2019-20, Gabriel signed with the Flyers and spent the whole season with their AHL club, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. In November, the Sharks signed the Newmarket Ontario native to a one-year, two-way deal. Before being selected by the Wild in 2013, Gabriel went undrafted in the Ontario Hockey League. At 6'4", he certainly had the size to compete at that level but it was his toughness and work ethic that
0: landed him a roster spot with the Owen sound attack. Oh, yeah, I wasn't making that team without that. Um, you know, I, and I played – I didn't get drafted in the OHL. I played minor uh, minor midget double A. so I wasn't playing with the highest-end players. I had no idea I was going to be playing hockey. So it was just a whirlwind kind of uh, thing where my mom just said, go try out if other guys are trying out for Tier 2, Junior A, as, as far as getting a scholarship maybe. And I was like, okay, sure, and took me on this wild journey of uh, – you know, playing well at tryouts, I just started playing well and, and growing into my body, and I went to play major midget, and that's where the coach there in Markham said, hey, do you want to score it for me? I remember he's like, you want to play at higher levels? Like, I know you're trying out for teams. You're going to have to play a little more physical. You're not really a goal scorer, and I was like, yeah, you're right, so I had to, I tried it out, Mom's was like, all right, give it a try. Like, you are always been intense, and more intense probably than most kids, so it suited me pretty well, and uh, yeah, definitely going into that camp, you know, on sound, I definitely was physical, and I think one guy took a run at Joey Hishin, and I went and fought him. And then uh, Jason Wilson, who was like a veteran on the team, tough guy, went after one of the other fellow rookies, and I got in between them. So that, that definitely helped me getting on the team, I'm sure.
1: Little did Gabriel know, that attack team had future Stanley Cup winners on it in Andrew Shaw and Jordan Bennington. Although Gabriel played sparingly, he had a front row seat to an eventual OHL championship run that experience was vitally important
0: to Gabriel's confidence and development well, I pretty much had the same seed as the season ticket holders except I rode the bus and got to practice at the team so uh, I it's always weird like obviously I'm a part of the team of course everybody everybody matters but like I wasn't even a guy that played from January until June so I was um, definitely in the back seat of that one, but seeing those guys compete in practice, going up against them as a like seventeen year old with like not even a hair on my face, so that that was very eye opening uh, how hard they went and Mark Reed's is the coach who's an incredible coach. Uh, I just snuck on that team was the last spot, and I just was happy to be there, so I had no idea they were going to go make a run at the memorial cup and who I'm glad I didn't know because maybe I would have stayed and played like junior A or something for a year. So actually glad I didn't know that and I got my foot in the door and was able to be there next year. But just to witness a town that's you know the smallest top bottom three smallest CHL markets to to win it was pretty special. Like the the drive home, you know, and a winning game seven overtime coming back down three one. You know, and then the drive home there was so much of Owen Sound the rink and Mississauga, and then the whole way home we had people honking at us and then. People pulling up on their back roads 40 minutes from the home from Owen Sound, honking their horns and stuff. It was pretty special, so something I want to do at, at the next level and, and contribute a lot more.
1: The thought of a professional hockey career wasn't even in Gabriel's conscience until his third year in Owen Sound. That's when things began to all come
0: together. I mean, it wasn't even a dream, to be honest. Like, I didn't even register that I'd ever get drafted. I didn't get drafted to the OHL, so I was, like, not even on my radar, so to... I mean, after that first year, no one sounds somehow because I guess I, I earned a reputation of working hard and I was tall. I got a invite to Phoenix Coyotes camp. At Jeff Tui is a good hockey man, and he got me up there, and that was really eye opening. And I went back to junior, and I was like, "Oh, I, I made it like two rounds of cuts in the NHL. I haven't even barely played in the OHL. I'm gonna go back and light it up or walk into a, a, a top nine position." And I just <laughs> nosedive and had an awful season. Awful season. So uh, I think I got beat up nine times out of ten. Uh, barely played and then uh, I had to go home and kind of pick up my socks and decide if I want to do this for real and that's when I came back the third year I wasn't really even a shoe in to make the team and I kind of just was working hard and I told that we had you know one-on-one meetings I said hey just I'm just looking for an opportunity here and I got an opportunity on the third line with Holden Cook, Kyle Hope, two guys that played like me and just kind of clicked I think that has to happen for a lot of guys like me that aren't going to be guaranteed top minutes like something has to click where you take advantage of an opportunity and then you run with it and I just was able to do that, and then at Christmas that season, I remember, like, you know, things are going well and feeling good, but nobody's saying anything to me. I'm, like, just enjoying playing more and having a role, and uh, Dale DeGray, our GM, just walked up to me and my mom at the Christmas party. We're having, like, an orange juice, and my, he's, like, yeah, you're gonna get drafted in the NHL. And I'm, like, what? Like, I almost dropped my drink. My mom was, like, what are you talking about? Like, he can still get drafted, and that took me on a whole ride there, so I played even harder the rest of the year and had a good playoffs, and Got interviewed by, like, 22 NHL teams. Like, what? This is crazy, man. So then to go there and him to say, my agent, you know, get me down there in the flight. And, oh, we're going to the draft, and you'll get picked in the fifth round. But if somebody really likes you, pick you in the third round, and then that happens, it was crazy. Gabriel traces back
1: his development path to the fact that he's a self-proclaimed late bloomer. I think
0: it takes – I think I'm a late bloomer with everything, man. It's just I'm not someone who's natural at anything besides long-distance running. Like, that's the one thing that I can – You know, after the coming home after the season, my trainer got me running, and after two runs, I can run at like a really fast clip, and that just comes natural to me. And I don't really like it. I don't really like doing it, but that's my thing. So I've had to really force myself into being a hockey player, and take me probably a little longer than most. I got the long legs and big long arms and just a gangly body, so I've had to put some mass on and uh, learn the skills and learn the skating, and I'm still working at it. So I don't think I'll ever stop trying to learn because if I stop, I probably won't be able to keep up and Uh, Yeah, it's just something that uh, I don't know why. It's just how I am. I I take a long time to to get my head wrapped around things.
1: Gabriel walked us through what it was like to break into the NHL with the Wild.
0: I mean, you kind of knew it was coming. You get drafted as a later pick, right? Like, I knew I was going to play the first year, probably. I was quite happy playing in the minors and working away at it. Uh, But I figured, you know, by the end of my rookie deal, I'd at least play a game or two. So it was nice to get the three games and then the playoffs that year, which was nuts um but yeah it, it's definitely a different level but it's just what it's it's hard to explain it's like we the american league is a very hard league like it is grinding hockey it is i think in in some ways more entertaining sometimes it be really no hockey um but the nhl is just the, it's, it's for a player like me it's almost easier up there if i can play what better up there everybody's in their positions i don't have to worry about that stuff so it was amazing to go up there and you never, I feel like you never run out of energy up there in my role. You're just gassed up all the time. So it's incredible. Uh, And and I wish I could have got to stay there. Obviously you could draft the third round and you're going to get play opportunities, but I guess it just wasn't going to happen there, but gave her everything I have. And uh, you know, always probably going to look back like I wish I made it with the team to draft me because I freaking made the OHL without getting drafted and was there four years. So it's annoying, but uh, I guess it just wasn't meant to happen that way, but it it was a really cool place to start playing and, come out of the tunnel in the playoffs you know in minnesota is a crazy hockey state which i didn't know before i went there and it was pretty cool with Sharks head coach bob boogner and associate coach rocky
1: thompson both filling enforcer roles during their playing careers gabriel
0: felt like san jose was the perfect fit can't wait the smile smile off my face so i'm gonna find out if i can do it or not here like these guys are the guys that are gonna know and They're the, you know, I'm sure if I play the way they think I can, the way I can, that I'm going to be able to, you know, make an impact on the team. And if not, Hey, I'll be ready when I get the chance, but I'm just excited to be in camp with those guys and pick their brains to, you know, try to impress them and try to make them feel like I'm part of the recipe in winning. I'm part of the, you know, the answer to not getting pushed around to, uh, you know, bringing that kind of swagger back physically to the team. And I think that is just, what I, this is my number one team. I circled in pre agency. If I could go anywhere, the Sharks. If I could go anywhere in the past, it was Philly and New Jersey. I always seem to get where I want to go. And this is now culminated to me being 27 years old. Takes me a while to wrap my head around things. I'm ready to go. So I cannot wait to get there and, and shake those guys' hands and look them in the eye and say, like, let's get going.
1: If given the opportunity, he
0: thinks he could play an important role with the Sharks. Oh, because, I mean, it's to me, it's clear that they need someone like me. And I think it's clear why they brought me in and the coaching staff and to hear that, you know, talking to Doug Wilson Jr. a lot and Doug Sr., you know, they're excited to work with me and watching tape on me and, you know, reporting back that they like what they're seeing and what they've seen of me in the OHL, being some OHL coaches in the past. So, yeah, it just – it's it's an obvious fit for me. Uh, I've fought Reeves before. I'm not afraid to fight the big boys. Clearly, they're going up in a division that has all those guys. And if we're going to be playing in a West Coast division during this quarantine and pandemic, I mean – probably going to not want, you know, Caner fighting, you know, Reeves every night or getting beat by him. You want someone to step in there and take the licks for him. Gabriel knows when his game is at its best. Yeah. So I think with my game first is defensive end needs to be buttoned up. We can't be getting scored on. Um, next is always being physical. And then third, which I self admittedly need to work on is just consistently attacking the net, whether like my shift needs to end in the offensive zone or the O zone change. That's my goal. If it doesn't end in a goal, a fight, me crushing someone and they have to stop the game or, you know, like it needs to end that way. So I need to be in the offensive zone. I need to be putting pucks on net when I can. I need to be getting to the front of the net. I know I got to be on the same page with my line mates knowing that that's the type of game we're playing. So for me, it was I, I really get the first two. And now I think being an NHL player, you have to be versatile. You have to be able to contribute in not just a singular way. You know, I have to be able to do the physical thing. I have to be able to – play the game hard five on five and make an impact. And then also I need to be able to contribute 10, 15 seconds on a penalty kill, 20 seconds. You know, I know how the sharks play the PK. I've been talking to uh, Dan Darrow and uh, Charlie Townsend. Like I know the way they're going to pressure and you you can't be out there long the way of pressure. So if I can contribute a long reach, a willingness to be coached and work my ass off, I should be able to contribute a little bit out there and hopefully snap back a couple of face offs on my strong side too. Who knows? So I'm willing to do anything and, if I already got here not getting drafted and all that stuff who says I can't go in and start doing these things on an NHL team I believe it so I just got to prove it
1: to everybody else. For Gabriel the work that goes on behind the scenes is one of the
0: most enjoyable parts of his job. I love working out like if I didn't play hockey most of a lot of these other guys like they work out to play hockey and they wouldn't work out much if they didn't so I'm the opposite I'd probably work out more if I didn't play hockey so that helps me and plus that uh, I like working hard like that's That's just what I like to do. I mean, I don't, we skate in the summer and guys get mad at me sometimes because I I don't want to do it if it's easy, but sometimes you got to do easy stuff, work on the skills, but I'm just a person that likes hard stuff. I find that's where the value is in life. That's where the good feelings come from. So harder the better for me and that's I mean it it's the role I play clearly I don't think it could be any other way to do this. In fact Gabriel actually has to tone
1: it down from time to time when it comes to working out because of the speed it takes to compete at the pro level nowadays but he does see himself continuing to work out after his career when being nimble on his feet isn't as much of a
0: priority. The, with the game being so fast like I can't be if I played in the 80s 90s i'd be 225 230 like big right but the game's so fast you gotta be quick i'm 215 and i got the i don't i can't put up too much mass in my upper body it's all gonna be in your legs and stuff so i'll definitely after my career just be getting yoked in my upper body
1: he even has a few post-career
0: plans when it comes to his physical fitness i'm just going straight like movie star body like eating eating all my meals in a in a you know dinner time with the kids till maybe eight o'clock pound fruit food from four to eight eat like three to four thousand calories in that window so i get to feel like i eat a lot but then just not eat the rest of the time fast and go crush a huge workout
1: although weightlifting might be in his future and hockey is certainly in his present gabriel says baseball was actually his best sport growing up yeah
0: well i was better at baseball that was probably my best sport basketball i liked playing at a, a good high school team even Ultimate Frisbee, we won a championship of that, which was funny. But, uh, yeah, it's just hockey, even though it found, like, my role was going to be, like, the lowest on the totem pole, I guess you'd say. I was like, I still like this better than pitching. Or, you know, it just seems I've always been, you know, maybe attracted to, like, the big sport. Maybe if I grew up in Alabama or Louisiana, I would be a pitcher or a quarterback or something. I could have got a good arm. But I like hockey. It was the cool thing. It was the most competitive thing. It was the most adrenaline-packed thing. And I was you know, excited to go to every practice where I couldn't say that about baseball. Just like the way he plays
1: hockey, Gabriel's baseball career was all gas all the time.
0: I mean, not, not, that's the thing. I didn't, I was straight gas and I was like, you know, young. So I probably, th- I mean, I go throw a ball now or something. My arm burning in like five throws. So I probably just gas my arm out. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, we were playing at a decent level in, in Newmarket. Maybe I would have had to move somewhere to like an academy for baseball, but yeah, I hadn't, I didn't know many pitches yet. I was straight, You know, four scene, two scene, just rip it. Speaking of
1: ripping it, Gabriel notched his first NHL goal on February 21st, 2019, versus the Ottawa Senators, as then a member of the New Jersey Devils. He detailed that memorable moment, but he also recounted maybe the biggest goal and moment of his career to date just a few nights later. Scoring on Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens on national TV, the game winner, while the knob of his stick was wrapped in rainbow colored pride tape that small but giant gesture was the first by any nhl player during an actual game a
0: massive sign of inclusion in the sport uh, it's a guy i trained with here in london ontario Brett Sini. um his dad's the real estate agent got me a condo too so we have some connections and he took he was about to take the face off and he's i said uh, he said i'm a right winger he put me on the left side he said go on the wall i'm gonna win this back to you shoot it i was like okay and i just had this feeling he was gonna win it and I was ready to shoot it and just put my head down, shot it. And I think it was actually going wide. Nielsen on the center is going to have to grab it and it trickled down his arm and went in the net. So it's kind of a, a lucky one. But I needed that one. I was nine games up there. And that was my first point. And I was like, wow, I just got a you know, I got a goal. Maybe I can get something going here. Maybe I can take advantage of this opportunity. So the real first goal for me though, as I say in all these interviews, was just two nights later when I scored with the Montreal Canadiens or against them and on Terry Price and game winner. Like I was that was pretty cool. Like Uh, and I had the pride tape on my stick so it was kind of a special night for scoring a goal for inclusion as well but that one where I really got to celebrate and know it was coming score a goal that I really wanted to score on the four check get to the net show some hands like that that one was like the real first goal for me it felt like
1: Gabriel detailed why he taped his stick and he kept it beyond just warm-ups
0: yeah it just kind of happened that how everything else happens as I said it probably takes me longer than most people to come around to things and it usually happens pretty organically when it does. So the hockey happened organically. Uh, and then this happens. I'm dating an ex girlfriend and she has a friend come out to be in a relationship and she gets unsupported. And I'm just like, can't imagine like it just didn't function in my head. Like why my mom would care who I dated or something. And I was just like, that's not right. So it just serendipitously happened. I'm in the minors for, you know, the first two thirds of that year in Binghamton. I'm having an awful time, just not, not enjoying playing there. And, uh wasn't getting scratched a lot didn't feel valued and the next thing you know i get called up and i'm up there in the nhl for the rest of the season and the pride night and it's just a crazy turn of events and to put the tape on my stick everybody did it for warm-up and then they said oh take it off and then for the game and i just i didn't want to put it on the blade of my stick because i just scored my first and second nhl goals i'm trying to keep my thing going here i'm like i'm gonna put the pride tape on the shaft of my stick so and then I looked at it and it was a split second decision of, Hey, like I can either take that off. It would be more work to take it off than to leave it on. So let's just leave it on and maybe somebody will notice. And then I went back to focusing on playing Montreal Canadian. So after that game, when I scored that goal and all the outpouring of support and how much it meant to people, that's where it kind of hit me. It's like, there's a lot more people like this that I haven't you know, kind of been naive to or not noticed. And uh, if I can do something as simple as this, that makes an impact. What else can I do? And it's just kind of been a process since then, since, you know, early February 2019 of chipping away at this thing. So that's coming up on two years. And now I'm a part of like a queer hockey council that we're starting up here in Ontario, which I'm really excited about. And uh, yeah, it just keeps on going. People, people shouldn't be judged on uh, who they want to love, who they are. People should just be judged on the things that the intangibles, right? We talk about the tangibles of hockey player. That's what people should be judged on, not anything else.
1: During our conversation, Gabriel was wearing a Hockey Diversity Alliance sweatshirt. Headed by Sharks forward Evander Keen and former NHLer Akimalu, he explained his support for
0: the group and their mission. Regardless of what you think about what they're doing, they're stepping up and they're trying to make a difference here. They're trying to make a change, and I really think that's what's important. We need people doing something, and uh, you're, you know, we're all learning in this, right? We're all trying to figure it as we go. They're trying to figure it as they go. The Queer Hockey Council is going to try to figure it as we go. But I think when good people step up for things, it can only mean good things. So I'm excited to. know talk about him i know chris stewart and matt dumba a little bit and uh obviously would want to collaborate with on things with things on with with things with them in the future and um it's just kind of the beginning right like it's all kind of fresh and we're all still trying to just figure out what's the best way to approach these kinds of things as he
1: described earlier nothing he's done came right away and a lot of his own personal awareness has come very much organically. He expressed his advice for anyone else trying to help make a change.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just every day in society, like that's where the biggest change is made. Um, David Goggins, I don't know if you're into that guy, he had like a post before the election or after the election just saying like, it doesn't really matter who's up there, it comes down to each individual to make a change and want to make a change. I think that's very true. So for me, it's, being ready to say something when you witness something you know i think a vast majority of us are good people i think sometimes we're all caught up in our own stuff but if you're a human you should want to be able to have other humans treated properly regardless of what you think or anything i think that's a you can just feel it in your chest when you're out in public and something happens you know and i think that's enough of the feel it oh i'm too scared to do anything oh i don't want to make a mistake oh i'm worried about my getting myself in trouble or getting hurt like we need people ready to say something so i, I listen to like these podcasts and this one guy shaquille showedry is his name and he was talking about how you just got to be ready to say something so it's like the subway analogy where you're on the subway or the bus and you see an interracial couple and somebody starts attacking them you can't just be idle sitting there you have to i'm a big physical guy so maybe i would be like hey like calm it down you know or i'm comfortable in altercations and in with adrenaline kind of pumping with my job okay most people aren't that's okay. You don't need to put yourself in harm's way, but just move yourself towards the people that are being attacked and say, Hey, like I'm with you guys here. I support you guys. I don't agree with what he's saying. That's it. That's all you have to do. And most of the time you're going to outnumber the hateful people. So I just think we need to be ready to step up things, whether you're in school, whether at workplace in public, gotta be, gotta be enough. And, and don't be a hero trying to run in and save the day, but just, that's not okay. Like, that's that's a huge thing that's very small that people can do. That's going to do
1: it for this episode of Cuda Confidential. A huge thanks to Curtis Gabriel. I'm Nick Nolenberger saying so long until next time.